Welcome to the Legacy House Podcast. Our mission as a church is to equip people to know God, live free, and find purpose. We express the mission of our church through adoration, biblical teaching, creativity, and discipleship. We have prepared this message for you, and we know God is going to use it to minister to you wherever you are and in whatever situation you're going through. So if you got your Bible, go with me to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 4 is where we're going to go, spend a little time uh, in God's Word. Man, we're so excited to have you here. It's going to be a, uh, it's going to be a great day, and uh, the weather's good. Uh, you know, it, it's not rainy, it's not cold like last Sunday. God is still on the throne. He brought the sun and the warmth back, and, uh, and so it's going to be a, a good, good day. Galatians chapter 4, and we're going to start our reading here in just a moment in verse 1. So I'll give you a minute to, to get there. You can put your finger there. You can kind of hold on to your place. But I want to talk to you today. Uh, I want to preach kind of a, a message around this idea of being almost free. Almost free. I think a lot of times in our life, we live in a place where we are almost free. Uh, we're not really free or we're not fully free. We're, we're almost free. But in John chapter 8, there's a verse that says, uh, for who the Son sets free is free indeed. All right. Some of you are like, I don't know the Bible. That's okay. Look, no condemnation in Christ. Uh, but like the Bible says in John chapter 8, who the Son sets free is free indeed. So if Christ has come to set us free, then we have the ability to be free indeed. But often we live our lives, often I've lived my life almost free. Uh, when I was, uh, I guess I was, how old was I? I was 20. Uh, the night of my, uh, the night before I turned 21, I was an intern in, uh, in, in, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana at a church over there called Bethany World Prayer Center. And I had been spending a year over there. I was doing my internship stuff during the day, doing Bible college classes at night and just kind of burning the candle at both ends, really just trying to be prepared and equipped and to train for ministry. And it was just, and so it was fun because I, I got to spend a year around about 35 or so uh, young guys and young girls who were uh, passionate about being in ministry and being like men and women who God has called us to be and taking risks and answering the call of like, here I am, send me, Lord, like wherever it is, like I'll go. And so we, at the end of the internship year, we did a beach trip. We came to, to Orange Beach. And uh, so we loaded up literally like we took our entire um, like leadership team from the church and we brought them to Orange Beach, Alabama. Now you have to understand that youth ministry at that time uh, was running a few thousand students every single week. Uh, so our leadership team for the church, for our youth ministry, not even for the church, was about 400 people. And, uh, and so with all 400 of us leaders, right, like, you know, cream of the crop, best of the best, uh, we, we all came over to the beach, you know, for a, a, a fun getaway uh, from the grind of ministry. And, uh, and so we're, we're hanging out one night, and, and we decide that we're going to go from, from Orange Beach up into Foley, and we go to... That thing where you spiral up and spiral down and splinters are flying through the air as you, as you do it. And I had, I, I don't know if, if, you, if you know this about me, but I've, I've been blessed to always drive luxurious cars. And, and by luxurious cars, I mean I had a 94 Accord that the paint was chipping on. And, uh, and so I had this 94 Accord and it was, it was awesome. It was five speed, which meant nothing, but to me it meant everything. It's like, well, this is faster, this is more sporty uh, than the typical pale blue Honda four-door uh, Accord. And so I had this, this Accord, and, and we were coming back, and we loaded it down with a bunch of guys, and we're all kind of jammed in the car, and, and, and we're coming through, coming out of Foley, and we take a left down there, 
on that road. And there's, there's that stretch between Gulf Shores and Orange Beach where there is no street lights. There's no street lights. It's nothing but beach and it's completely dark. Well, one of my friends, another cream of the crop leader, man of God, passionate after the Lord, hungry for everything God was doing, uh, decided to come flying past me in, in his Honda Civic. Uh, the Bible up a gear in this four-door, in this, this, uh, this, this four-door luxurious Honda Accord with cloth seats and everything. I mean, it was tricked out. And, uh, and I, I was driving this car, and, I, and I, I downshifted because that's what I'd seen people do in movies. When you're trying to take off, you just pop it down in whatever gear is one away from where you are. So I went to fourth to third, about blew up my motor. But I, nonetheless, it felt like I was going fast. And so we continue to accelerate and accelerate and accelerate and accelerate. And I'm up to about 95 miles an hour right now, okay? And he is still running away from me. Well, we come back into Orange Beach, and there's all these, you know, Alvin's Islands and all these, you know, little tourist trap kind of places. And, and as the, we get back into the city, I decide, you know what? Not only am I a man of God, I'm a man of integrity, so I'm going to slow down. And so I, I decided to begin to slow down, and as I slowed down, uh, my buddy was just rolling, and a cop passed him. I was like, Lord's going to judge you for what you did. He's going to get you. He sent justice just for you. Well, the cop passes the guy, so they're going opposite ways. The cop passes him and does nothing. I went, wait a minute. So the cop keeps on coming, and I'm like, look, this guy better not get me. I'm slow. I'm a man of integrity. I am slowing down right now. Like he, and so I, I made an internal decision, and I told the guys in the car, I said, look, I said, if he passes me and I see him hit his brake lights, I'm going for it. <laughs> and they said, don't do that. It's a bad idea. And I said, nope. I'm going for it. And so, uh, so sure enough, the cop comes flying past me. No big deal. No lights. No lights. I'm feeling good. About 200 yards past me, I see him hit his brake lights. I decide it's time to go. <laughs> I drop my car down in the gear, and I take off. And I, because I figured, here's how I reasoned this inside of my brain. This is let you, let you in on the inner workings uh, of, of crime. And, uh, and, I decided that if I accelerated before I saw his lights, only his taillights, I don't know whether or not he's coming for me. And so he hit his brake lights. I take off. Neighborhood in Orange Beach. Come, promise you, this is a gospel truth story. I see this neighborhood in Orange Beach. I come hauling into this neighborhood. I'm like skidding around the corner. And about that time, as I turn into this neighborhood, all of a sudden I see this cop car come sliding sideways into the neighborhood. And it hits me all of a sudden. What are you doing? Like, what? For the love of Jesus, like he died on the cross for you, stop the car. So I figured this is a, probably a good moment to stop my car. So I stopped the car. The cop puts his, you know, his lights on us, and he's screaming and pulls his gun and tells us to all put our hands out of the car and tells me to get out of the car and cussing me out all the way to the car and asked me to show him my license and my license was for Escambia County still and he starts cussing about everybody in Pensacola and Escambia. <laughs> he's cussing you out and you didn't even know it. Like, he just, you stupid people. Like, yeah, it's just, it was bad. And he got me out of the car and he said, what are you doing? He said, why are you in Orange Beach? I said, well, I'm, uh, I'm actually... <laughs> I'm actually uh, a young man of God, and uh, I'm, I'm, believe it or not, I, I'm studying for the ministry, and, uh, and I said, also, believe it or not, in about 15 minutes is my 21st birthday, and uh, he, 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 you know, 
decided to, to explain to me my stupidity a little bit further. And I got back in the car, and I sat down, and he told me to wait, and he was going to go run my, my, my plates and stuff. And uh, a good friend of mine at the time uh, who used to live here in Pensacola looked over at me, and he said, I just want to let you know something. I said, okay, so what's that? He said, you're going to jail tonight. <laughs> and I was like, that is the worst piece of encouragement I have ever received in my entire life. I was like, seriously, Dave? And he's like, what are you talking? He said, like, you just ran from a police officer. He's like, you are going to jail. And he comes back and he, he decides to cuss me out a little bit more and, and lets me off with a ticket and uh, a hefty ticket nonetheless, but, but a ticket. And uh, we get back and we have this story to tell where it's like, in my brain, I was almost doing the right thing. Like in my brain, I was, I was almost free. Like I, I, I was almost there. Like if I, if I just kind of can, could work up the scenario and the situations, the best suit and fit me and where I was, I, I, I could have fixed this. But very quickly I realized that I did not have the ability to fix this. And taking matters into my own hands was the worst possible thing that I could do. But often in our lives and in our spiritual lives, we kind of live in that regard. We set up some, some almost some sudden indicators. And if this happens or that happens that could cause me pain or could cause me harm or could lead me in a direction that I might not want to go, I am going to step on the gas and I'm getting out of here. Because the last thing that I want to do is be in captivity. The last thing that I want to do is be in bondage or be bound. But what we don't realize is that when we take matters into our own hands, what we're doing is we're coming just short of the actual freedom that we could have. What we realize is, is that somehow I was breaking the law by speeding in the first place. But I was frustrated that he didn't pull over my friend who was speeding worse than me. And often that's how I've lived my life spiritually. As I see other people and what they're doing, and it, 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 my, my life pales in comparison from a sin standpoint to them. And so I begin to live in this mindset, and I begin to live in this spot where it's like, God, if you're not going to pull them over for the life they're living, like, don't you dare pull me over. Because, I, <laughs> Lord, you know my heart. Like, you know I'm, I'm studying for the ministry. It did not matter in that moment that I was studying to be a pastor. Like, we, we got back, and we got another talking to by, you know, the staff and stuff like that, about how we had ruined our witness, and how did we ever expect to be anything in ministry, and I was like, this is, this is a full night, guys. This was a, this was a full night uh, uh, of, of really uh, addressing the issues inside of my life. But what I realized throughout the decisions that someone else was making around me, I was responsible for me and for me alone. I, I was responsible for, for the freedom or the lack thereof that I was operating in in my life. John 8, for the who the Son of Man sets free is free indeed. Christ has come to give us freedom. I've got good news for you today before we jump into this text. Christ has come to give you freedom. If you are not free, it's not because it hasn't been made available to you. It's because maybe you don't know or maybe you have yet to really apply it to your life. Uh, uh, Galatians chapter 4 verse 1, it says, think of it in this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off uh, than slaves until they grow up. Even let that sink in, actually own everything the father had. That's an important verse, and I want you to like let that sink into your brain here for a minute. 
He said, for if the young children, if they inherit everything, if the father leaves everything to them and they inherit everything that they had, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything. He says, they have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. Isn't it interesting that there is no set age for them receiving their inheritance? We live in a culture where we like set ages. At 18, you can vote and you can, you know, buy your cigarettes. Or whatever, like, you know, like, like we have these set ages that, that govern and dictate our life. Well, I can do this at this age and I'm an adult at 18. I'm ready to move out. Like I, I'm ready to take on the world. Okay, you said that when you were 18. Come back to yourself when you were about 28 and look back. And you're like, I was an idiot. Uh, I, was, I wasn't ready to tie my shoes at 18. Uh, but like, you have this moment where you're like, I'm, a, I'm an adult now. Like, you're not even in college yet. Like, you live in your mom's guest room. Like, you're not an adult, folks. And so like, we have these moments, that these set ages that at this point, I want my inheritance. I want what is bring my insurance. I'm married now. That's another benefit to my insurance. Bring it down again. Like we have these set things where we want the benefit right now, but it doesn't say that in the word. It says that they actually own everything the father had and they have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. Their father set. Means that in all of our lives, my life included, God sets the time for me to receive my inheritance. God sets the time. For me to receive the promise that he has set aside for me. Verse 3, and it says, and that's, the, and that's the way it was and is to be with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law, and so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Because we are his children... God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Verse 7, it says, now you are no longer a slave. That's an important progression. So since God sent his son, you're now no longer a slave. But, and you're not a slave because you're God's own child. And since you're God's own child, you, have, you are an heir to the throne. You get to receive the inheritance of a son. Verse 8, it says this. It says, before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to the so-called gods that did not even exist. So, so now that you know God, or should I say, now that God knows you. I love that. Love Paul. Like, he's just like, hang on a second. You don't necessarily know God like God knows you. So he, he's bringing it up. He says, why do you want to go back and become the slaves once more to the weak and useless principles of this world? Man, we could set up camp right there. And if we could understand this principle, we could all leave here today truly experiencing freedom. If we could understand this thought that Paul's trying to teach, because here's what you have to understand. Paul, in the last couple chapters, he begins to talk to them really about, about being a slave. And he begins to compare, specifically in chapter 3, he begins to compare the life of a Jew to being a slave. Now, to, you have to understand that in the Jewish culture, this is like, like heresy at every level. The fact that you're referring to Moses and us following the law of Moses as being under bondage and slavery goes 100% against everything that they know and have ever been taught. They have been known and taught the, the, the Mosaic law, the Abrahamic law. Like those laws are things to be propped up, to be respected, to be followed to the T. And here is Paul. Once the guy who once said, hey, look, I, I, I followed these rules more strictly than any of you. Saying, look, you know what? Really, all that is is bondage. 
All that is is something that you've allowed yourself to become a slave to. And he says you've become a slave to it, not because it was bad then, but it's because what has been made available to you now. So we, we often live in slavery not because of where we were, but because of what has been made available now. He tries to get them to understand this fact that like, hey, look, when, when those things were put into place in the Old Testament, they were important and they were powerful and they carried weight and they were to be followed. But now the son has come and he's given you the opportunity to be an heir in the kingdom of God. He's given you the opportunity to actually walk in freedom. Because here's where the Jewish people were at this time. They were confused. They were confused because all of a sudden in this New Testament church, in the early church, they begin to see these Gentiles who are the least of the least, the worst of the worst, the furthest from God, uneducated, undisciplined, undiscipled, begin to experience freedom. They begin to experience life change. And here was men and women in the Jewish culture who had dedicated their life to following the letter of the law and they were almost free, but not completely free. They were almost there, like they could feel it, but there was always a moment, there was always a point, there was always a time. There was one day, they forgot to wash their hands, they forgot to cleanse themselves, or they forgot to, but I just, I, I'm almost there. If I, if I work a little harder, then I will accomplish what God has called me to. No, what you don't need is to necessarily work harder. You need to be more free. And freedom is not about living in this place that, that anything goes, the wild west of Christianity, that whatever I feel in the moment is the right thing, like that, 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 that the biblical principles that God teaches us in his word are subject to our own discretion and, and, and filtering into our life. Well, I don't see a problem with that. Well, if the Bible says there's a problem with it, then there's a problem with it. Well, yeah, but it's... But it's but it's 2017. Well, yeah, I get that. But here's what we have to understand, is we have to understand that reading the word is more than just reading the text on the page. It's understanding the cultural context of it. It's understanding the historical context of it. It's understanding the moment in time that it came from. Because here's what, I know a lot of guys who will, who will, who will choose the hill to die on, on certain scriptures, and they say, well, this is what the scripture says. Yes, but do you understand the culture in which the scripture was written? Why did he write? The, do you understand who he was writing to? Why did Paul write you? What was their problem? What, was they, what were they experiencing? And here in Galatia, they begin to experience this moment where I, I, I don't understand how to be free. I really think that you can hear it in the text when you read your word. You can hear it in the text of people who wanted to be free and were almost free. But couldn't get to that spot where there was just total freedom. They couldn't get to that place where it was just they could take a hold of that word and say, you know what, who the sun sets free, man, is free indeed. I am free indeed. Can I ask you a question today? Are you free indeed? Like, can you go home this afternoon? It doesn't matter your age, it doesn't matter background, whatever. But at the spot, the moment, the place you are in life, from the youngest in the room to the oldest in the room, are you free? Well, I'm, I, you know, I'm free in a lot of areas. So you're almost free. I'm free in a lot of things. I'm a work in progress, you know, saved by grace, you know. Like, well, but, but none of us are perfect, Pastor Curtis. None of us, you know, we're, I'm a work in progress, you know, saved by grace, you know, cleansed by his blood. Amen. Well, I'm glad you are. We all are, and we all are a work in progress, and none of us are perfect. And, and people often search for perfect things. They search for perfect churches, so they go from place to place. And I promise you, you're never going to find a perfect church. Why? Because perfect churches don't exist, because churches are filled with and led by imperfect people. 
They're, they're led, they're filled with and led by people who are in progress to the journey and the life that God is calling us to. But here's what it means to be completely free. It means that the things that we have been made aware of by God, that God has illuminated in our life as issues that are holding us back, have we dealt with them? Have we dealt with them? doesn't mean that every issue has worked out. It doesn't mean that everything has been fixed. It doesn't mean that you're walking around just floating on clouds, just spewing like, like glorious things like psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs are just coming out of you 24-7. It means that you're passionate and hungry about actually following the Lord. It means that you actually care about the way that you live. I have things that can give in my life where I have known the right, somebody feel riled up in a service, but inside of my own heart and life, I have been leaving behind and willfully overlooking things that God has called me to change. That might be too much for you. You're like, well, I don't, I don't like a preacher who's got issues. Well, <laughs> you got two types of preachers, those who have issues and those who are lying about having issues. Because we're all in progress. But freedom is something that has been made available to you. So what God wants us to do, this process of, there's a word that's often lost in our churches today, which is the, the word of sanctification, meaning it's, it's the journey of growing closer to the Lord and becoming more like Christ. And what it means is, is that as God identifies something inside of me here, I address it, I deal with it, I repent for it, and I move forward. And as I move forward, God will address something else in my life here. And as I address it and I deal with it, I repent for it, I move forward. Sometimes it's not always something that you have to repent of, of like, my God, Lord, forgive me, please. I, I've done it again. Like, no, word issue. It, it's just, hey, you know what? You, you know the right thing to say in front of people, but behind people, you, you talk about everyone. You, you've got issues with everyone back here, but you're smiling, shaking hands, God blessing them out here. But, but back here, your life is something completely different. It's those moments that, you, you, like, whatever your issue was, like your, 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 your BC, your before Christ issue, like, well, Praise God, he saved me from that. You know how much weed I used to smoke? Like, 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 I'm set free now in Jesus' name. Yeah, but your attitude might not be right now. Praise God that he set you free 10 years ago. But if that was your last moment of freedom and that was your last spot of victory, I guarantee there's new things that God wants to lead you into. And look, here's the thing. Don't feel condemnation because of where you are because freedom has been made available to you. So whatever your struggle is, there's an exit door. You know, inside of this room, there's clearly marked an exit door over here to our right. You can get out this door. You can get out both of those doors. There, there, there's clear signs of our exit. There's exits up at the top. There, there, there's, a, there's, there's easy ways to bondage. None of you at the end of this service, it's kind of the same picture. don't know how to get out of here. Like, we're not going to just find you, like, down here at the front. Like, guys, though, where do I go? Like, no, clearly, there's exit signs. Like the, the path has been marked out for you. It's, it's not some spiritual journey. Please don't come to the altar and pray about how do I get out of this room? Just take a moment and look around. Just open up your eyes to the course and to the path that's already been laid out in front of you. Some of us don't need another word from God about our freedom. We need to understand what he's already made available to us. We need to, make, we need to understand what he has already done in us. Okay, sorry, let me keep reading here. Verse 8, we get fired up about this. Why? Because you need to be free. And here's the thing that I know. You want to be free. You want to be free. I want to be free. We want to be free. So why haven't we been? Tells new God, you were slave to so-called gods that did not exist. Man, how many times in our life 
emptiness. We've been slaves to things that we thought were so big and so large and holding us and restricting us and binding us that were really nothing at all. We're fighting, we're fighting these so-called Goliaths, but really it's just a shadow of ourselves. We're fighting these giants and we're wrestling with the enemy and the enemy's attacking me right now. No. No. Our undisciplined lives are attacking us right now. Our selfish nature is attacking us right now. My unrestricted and uncontrolled flesh is attacking me right now. The, the, the enemy doesn't have to come in and the Lord, like a flood, raise up a standard if it's just our flesh uncontrolled inside of our own life. Let me give you a couple things. The first thing is this. Age does not equal ability. Age does not equal ability. This is what I mean by that. I think it's a twofold problem that we have inside of our own lives. Is we think that freedom will come in the future. Well, when I get married, I'm going to stop struggling with pornography. You know, because... You're not married. So it won't be an issue then. Nope. If freedom is going to be found in the future, if freedom is going to be found as you age, as life changes, as it grows and develops, you will never find freedom. Because freedom has to start inside of you before it is ever manifest through you. Freedom has to start in here before it ever becomes fruitful inside of our life. The other side of that is, is that I know a lot of young people who think that because they're young, and they feel like they dress cool, whatever that might be. Maybe they wear jackets with long white shirts. I don't know. But like however they dress, they feel pretty good about it. And because of a cultural standpoint, they feel that they know more than the generation who has gone before them. And they think, but I'm young, so I'm ready. You might be young and not free. Therefore, you are not ready. How long? But in this, the, the exact opposite of, that, opposite of that is also true. Well, you know how long I've been in church? You know how many churches I've served on? You know how many boards I've been a part of? You know how many new? I'm not going to that Q&A class. You know how many Q&A? I taught Q&A class at my last church. Great, we're not your last church. You left there for some reason and keep that attitude up. You're probably going to find a reason to leave here too. Because guess what? We're not actually free. Everybody else is the issue. I sat down with somebody the other day and I, I, like, I, have, like this, I, have, a, I have an invisible line. Um, you can't find it, which makes it super hard to navigate. But like... I have this invisible line where I try to be sweet and godly and I channel my, like, my inner Joel Osteen. I'm loving on folks and I'm just sharing the love of God. I'm lo and then somebody will say something that makes no sense. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> like, we're just, you just, you can't. And I said, look, I was, I was meeting with somebody not too long ago. And I said, hey, look, we're talking and there's going on. And they said, everywhere we've been, we've been rejected. And I said, What's, what, what is the common denominator about every place you've been? Nope, not doing it. And they said, Christians. I said, don't give me that. Like, don't give me that. Nope, not doing it. Like, and that was the moment. I was like, all right, like taking your earrings out, like whatever it is. Like, like we're not doing this today. Like, we're not doing this. You're not going to sit here and say that it's Christian. And I said, what do you mean? I said, it's not Christians. I said, the common denominator in all those situations, I hate to break it to you, is you. And he, he said, well, that's true. And I said, I said, at least you can see it now. Like, because sometimes what somebody needs is a hug, and what sometimes someone needs is a slap upside the head to say, look, it's not everybody else. You're not, you're not, not free. Like, you're not in bondage because of somebody else. 
And the quicker we can learn that, the quicker we can walk in freedom. Your struggle is not because of somebody else. Yes, they hurt you. Yes, they abused you. Yes, they left you. Yes, they betrayed your trust. But guess what? They have probably moved on. They're probably happy about life. But for some reason, we're still stuck over here. We know what God says about frustration. We know what God says about betrayal. But yet inside of my heart and my life, I think that if I can just wait long enough, sometime I'll get old enough that it won't bother me anymore. I'll just age out of this. I'll just age out of bitterness one day. I'll just age out of frustration one day. I'll just, I'll just age out. No, you won't age out. What God is looking for is he's not wondering about whether or not our age, young or old. The Bible says to do, do not despise your youth. But then also at the same time, it talks about the younger generation learning and, and sitting under the older generation. And so it, it's a combination of things that happens here. It, it's a combination of things that God has called us to. It's, it's the younger working with the older and the older being patient to work with the younger. And, and, and that's kind of all blending together to create this community and this community kingdom that God has called us to. That is what the kingdom of God is. I, I, it's sad because I, I love, I, no, I love when you find older men and women of God who are dedicated, who are dedicated to teaching someone younger than the way to live life. Because my generation doesn't just need, doesn't just need to know spiritual things. They need to know practical things. It's weird. Bethany said it the other day, and it's really weird. I, being a dad to girls, Elma's like, Elma's just like she's attached to me at all times. She just wants to be where I am. And it's weird because Bethany said the other day, she said, she said, you know, we have both understood now in this season more than we ever have before the importance of like a father's love, especially to a young girl. And it's like, she's tiny. She's like only one. But like, it matters to her when I walk into the room. It matters to her the way that I talk to her, the way that I look at her, the way that... And we live with a generation who might not have experienced a whole and complete home that doesn't disqualify women of God to step up, to open the doors of their home, and to allow someone to become a part of your family. One of the things we're doing this, this coming holiday season my parents and my brother's not here, so they're going to hear about this on podcast. Uh, one of the things we're doing this, uh, this upcoming holiday season is for Christmas and e for Thanksgiving and Easter, we just want to open up our home to whoever wants to come. I, I don't like the exclusivity almost of the holidays. It's a family thing, but it's just our family, though. Like, don't, it's just we got, you have your family. And there's a lot of people without family or in limbo. God is not looking for, age does not equal ability. What God is looking for is availability. He's looking for availability. Freedom comes when we make ourselves available. Available to be spoken to by the Lord. Are you available for God to speak to you? Is there time in your day, in your life, in your moment where God, yeah, well, amen, yes, no. I'm not talking about just, just listening to a podcast or, or reading a, a blog or, or some sort of mail chain that you get through your email. I'm talking about taking time to sit before the Father and say, Lord, what do you want to speak to me today? We need to get a little bit better in cutting out the middleman. We've become dependent upon the middleman. Pastor, what's the Lord saying for me? I don't know. What do you mean? You're my only hope. No, I'm not. I'm not actually your hope at all. Jesus is your hope. I, oh, I'm going to become Catholic now. Like, 
Like, whatever it is, I'm just like, you know, just showing up, praying through your rosary or whatever here on Sunday. Like, it's great. Like, it doesn't matter what your experience is or what your past is, but guess what? I'm not your hope. Your spouse isn't your hope. Your kids aren't your hope. Your job and your boss isn't your hope. Only Jesus is your hope for total and complete freedom. So how do we walk in that freedom? We simply become available. God, speak to me. I listen to a podcast. Nope. Well, I uh, downloaded a new, nope. Those things are great and have those things in your life. Source yourself with good resources, but don't let it be the source for everything that you, I think you find this when you begin to look at what Paul's saying here, and he says it really a lot in chapter three, which for the sake of time, we're not going to get into, but he says it into three all the way into four, where he really begins to help them understand that you cannot teach what you're unwilling to learn. You cannot teach what you're unwilling to learn. There's going to be some things that it's going to be difficult to learn, but it's important that you learn them so you have the ability to teach them. There's going to be some things that are part of your freedom story that if you can allow yourself to walk through that journey and experience the freedom that God desires to give to you, not only is it going to just be a moment and a lesson that you've learned for yourself, but I promise you God will bring others into your path who you can begin to help teach them the lessons that you have learned. You know, the brilliance of the early church was the fact that they didn't sit around and wait for the message at the synagogue. They taught what they knew. So when they had learned something, it spreads. Today we talked about, we want to break the rules and do something different. You invited somebody today to come and to be a part of Legacy House. And it's like, it's amazing to see how many people just showed up. You know why? It's because we just simply, we want community. We want freedom. Like, we, we want to experience what God has called us to. You're not a bad person. But you're a person that God loves. And he sent his son to die for it. He sent his son to sacrifice everything for it. And when we get to this spot, when we're willing to learn some things so that we can teach them, we find that not only does God want us to be available, he wants us to have availability, but he wants us to have teachability. How teachable are you? The greatest leaders are the greatest learners. The greatest leaders are the greatest learners. The moment that you think that you've learned it all is the moment that your authority and influence becomes irrelevant. I, I, I thought, I've learned it all. No way, no way. I, I thought that as an, early, as an early leader, leading youth ministries, and me and Bethany, we got to lead these things, and, and they blew up and, and grew, and it was just amazing to see what God did. And it's early when I was 24, 25, to think, killing the game right now. Blowing stuff up, we're just seeing what God, man, this is, this is amazing. And the older I get, and I'm sure this will continue to happen, the older I get, the more I realize, A, my dependence for God, and secondly, how little I actually knew. That simply by the grace of God, he allowed me to do these things. Are you teachable today? Are you teachable? Are you willing to allow God to reshape and to shift patterns inside of your life? Are you willing to allow God to, to mold some things and change some things? I'm closing just a minute out of your life. We're going to come back. The band can come back up. We're going to close in just a minute. If someone could come up and play the keys for a second, we're going to 
We're going to land this plane, but I believe that God wants to lead us today from the place of almost freedom to total freedom. You say, well, how, Pastor, how does, how does that happen? Is it a big, long process? Is it a three-week Q&A class? Is it, do I have to attend a circle or a small group? Do I have to call Legacy House home? No, you don't. But what you do have to do is you have to have a heart that's willing to allow God to teach you some things and to remain available as you go. Look at this. This is important. Verse 4 of chapter 4 says, But when the right time came, when the right time came, man, let's not get frustrated when the timing doesn't happen the way we thought it should. When the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. And God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. My daughters are adopted. I understand the principle of adoption. I understand that an adopted child has more legal right to what I have, the things I will leave behind in this earth, than a natural born child would. They have a unrevocable bond with me as their father. It's done. It's set up. They're adopted. They're mine forever. We find this in the word where he says, look, he was born of a woman subject to the law. He, Paul takes a minute and he says, let me just remind you quickly of the humanity of God. The only way that freedom was possible was the fact that he came as a man in human flesh so that we could be set free. And he took on the weight of humanity. And not only did he take on the weight of humanity, but he walked that humanity in perfection. He never stumbled. He never faltered. Was he tempted? Yes. But he remained. He remained faithful. He remained true to the freedom that lied in front of him. And as he walked this journey and as he walked this process, he did it all, all the way up to the cross. Even the moment when he prayed in the garden and he said, Lord, if there is any other way, if there's any other way, please, like, let's do that. Don't tell me, don't sit here today and tell me that God was just like, oh, I would love to go to the cross. Yes, I would love to be tortured and beat and have nails rammed through my hands. It's not going to hurt at all. Why? Because I'm God and, and I'm divine and I don't feel pain. No, that's not the truth. Jesus wept on his knees and it says that he was so overcome with grief. The Bible says that he sweat great drops of blood. Being it's an actual medical condition where kind of all the blood vessels, the, the surface level blood vessels in your body because of stress can burst simultaneously. And like sweat, blood begins to come out of your sweat glands. That was the level of stress that he was under. It wasn't just like he did it for biblical sake. No, it was, it's a true medical condition. When you feel such a weight on you, you begin to literally sweat blood. We've all been in moments and situations where you've sweated it out before. Like, I don't know about this, Lord. I don't know where you are. God, I, I don't know. Like, the, the, my back's against the wall. I've never been in a spot where I've sweat blood. He said, Lord, if there's any other way, if there's any other way than the cross where I can accomplish the same goal, let's do that. The Lord was silent. And he went to the cross and he hung and he bled and he died. 
so that we could be saved. But not only that we could be saved, but that he could turn us from a slave into a son. God wants to turn you from a slave into a son. Bondage keeps you as a slave. Freedom makes you a son. See, here's the interesting thing. And I'm closing with this. So we can look at it and we're like, well, what do I need to do? Do I need to serve more? Like, is it, do I need to do more for God to love me? Do I need to do less? Like, what do I? Service without freedom puts you in the position of a slave. That's why some people, when they serve inside a church, they get frustrated and burn out very quick because they're not walking in a place of freedom. Therefore, the service that they're doing feels like bondage. You want me to get there when? No, 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 I ain't doing that. I ain't doing that. Wait, but why though? Because you setting up a chair means that somebody's butt is going to sit in that chair and they might just, might just experience God today. Maybe that seemingly insignificant part of you setting up a stage or putting out a sound system or setting up kids' rooms or putting flags out in the parking lot. I'm, just, I'm on the flag team. Not like the flag team, but like the flag team. I'm on the flag team. It's not nearly as spiritual as it feels to have the flag team. You know, people would unsheath their flag. You ever seen when people unsheath the animal? Travis has seen that. Uh, like that feels spiritual. This out in the parking lot doesn't feel very spiritual. But what happens is, is when somebody walks up and they might be hesitant of whether or not this is the right building, am I even supposed to do this today? And they see that flag and they begin to feel reassured and they see a parking team like, okay, they look pretty nice. And I walk, oh, they got music playing outside. I'm like, that's cool, I guess. I don't know why. But like, and so they come inside. Well, I got coffee. That's pretty good. I'm feeling a little bit better about this. Other oh, kids' spaces are nice. All of the things pile on top of each other. They stack on stack on stack on stack on stack to leading to this moment where someone is sitting in a seat and they begin to say, what if I could actually be free? Maybe I can. Maybe the, the, the anxiety that I felt when I pulled in the parking lot, but then I saw the sign, and the sign guy, he gets validated because of his work, and then my kid's face, they're, they're clean, and they're, they're safe, and therefore I know my kid is good, and I, I can sit in this room with freedom inside of my mind to know maybe God isn't through with me yet. Maybe what I'm experiencing, like maybe what I've walked through, maybe the journey that I've been on, maybe the mistakes that I've made, yes, they're mistakes, and yes, there's consequences, but yet those consequences aren't going to be the death of me, but they're going to produce fruit and life inside of me so that I don't have to repeat the patterns of my past, but I can actually become who God is calling me to be in my future. Look, it's great that you were here today, but just because we walked in once and feel like a, 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 a cool rush of the Holy Spirit over our body doesn't mean that that's where he wants to leave us. This isn't about just being an isolated wandering individual hoping that we find this life of godliness and humanity here on earth. It's about joining yourself to a community. It's about finding some people who say, look, I'm as imperfect as you, but yet I've learned how to walk in freedom. Because look, I don't know if you know this, but the Son of God, he's a pretty great guy, and when he sets somebody free, the amazing thing is, is they're free indeed. They're free indeed. I was bound, but I'm free. I was lost, but I'm free. Today, freedom has made, been made available to you. Paul was speaking to a lot of believers here. It wasn't, he wasn't really speaking to the Gentiles. He was speaking to the Jews. And he said, hey, look, you might be going to heaven today, but you haven't walked in total freedom. I want to pray for you today. 
I want to pray that today would be the day of freedom for you. That you could leave this place knowing who God has called you to be. Knowing that first and foremost, God has called you to be available and teachable. So that you're present enough for God to speak to you. And then you're teachable enough to allow yourself to be moved by God in the progress and progression of this thing called Christianity. Look, here's the greatest thing that you could do. Is not allow this to be a one-time experience in your life. But to be something that now starts a journey. Like Jason said earlier, this is a marathon, folks. This isn't a 50-yard dash, a one-day sprint. Man, I came to church today feeling pretty good. I'll probably go back in a couple months. I kind of like them. No, this is about setting your feet to the task ahead of you, walking in freedom daily, getting into some relationships, getting into some patterns where you can serve and use the gift that God has placed inside of your life. But today is the day that you choose because God has made us free and he's made freedom available to us. That happened 2,000 years ago. We don't have to wait for freedom today. We don't have to wait till we get paid to get free. We need to walk in freedom now. It's been made available. Look, your sin cannot hold you any longer. Your pain cannot hold you any longer. Your disappointment cannot hold you any longer. Church might have betrayed you in the past, but do not allow that to hold you any longer. Friends might have betrayed you. Relationships might have betrayed you. Your boss, lay it down. Lay it down. Lay it down. We said a couple weeks ago that trauma, if it's unchecked, will define your tribe. If you're hurt, you can quickly connect yourself to groups of hurt people. We want the real thing. No, you don't. You're hurt by something, and now you're seeking as hurt people the real thing. The real thing is freedom. The real thing is, is peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's the fruits of the Spirit being manifested in your life. I'm beyond the fruits. No, you're not. I'm, I'm like next level. No, 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 we're not. We got to walk in joy. We got to walk in peace. We got to walk in patience and in long suffering. We got to have the fullness of the Holy Spirit flowing through us, the gifts of God moving and acting inside of us. We got to believe that we are more than overcomers. We're the head and we're not the tail. That we'll do even greater things than He did. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. You can find more info and resources from Legacy House on our website, www.legacyhouse.life, or by following us on social media under the handle at LegacyHouseFL. Don't miss next week's podcast, From Our House to Yours.